Well, welcome. I do have to say, I was absolutely lost in worship just before with my eyes closed and then realised I'm meant to be up here. So here we are. Welcome to Father's Day, our service. Now, did you hear about the dyslexic guy that suffered severely from insomnia? He just stayed up all way, all night, just couldn't get to sleep, just wrestling with the idea of, is there really a dog? <laughs> Apparently, you can't use beef stew as a password for your electronic devices. It's just not strong enough. Stronger. <sighs> My friend brought a dog from a blacksmith. And as soon as it got home, it made a bolt for the door. Yeah, they they get worse. Uh, What kind of magazines do cows read? Cattle logs. Being told that I was going deaf was really hard to hear. Um, A Jewish man walks up to Jesus and starts a conversation and Jesus says that he's the son of God, the other man exclaims, Nahweh. And Jesus goes, Yahweh. <laughs> now, <laughs> dad jokes. Dad jokes, they, they make us laugh. They also make us cringe. They make us bang our heads against the wall. But there's something about dad jokes that, that we do deeply love. And today is Father's Day. And so... Happy Father's Day, everyone who's watching this. We know that Father's Day is a day where we celebrate our dads, but we also celebrate those who play a fatherly role within our life, those people of influence that make up those father figures within our life. And ultimately, we want to honour our Heavenly Father today in the way that we live, but also the way that we worship through our lives. Now, Saying that, we also want to acknowledge that for Father's Day on today, sometimes it's tough for people uh, on this day, depending on what kind of dad you had. And for those, we we are thinking of you actually as a staff, we've been praying for those that today is tough for. Maybe you've had a dad that's passed away, or maybe your memories of your father weren't as as, um, positive as others. But today we do want to celebrate the positive fatherly influences that are in our lives, those, those male role models that, that show us what lo- a loving God looks like. But we also just want to just pause for a moment and say we also want to honour the single mums that are watching that are celebrating today as well. For those single mums at home, you play the, the role of mum and dad within your family and so we also want to honour you today. But as it is Father's Day, we want to embrace it. And so while we, in a moment, we turn to Scripture and we're going to continue through our series. Uh, This book is for everybody, male, female, Jew or Gentile, slave or free. This is for everybody, but because it's Father's Day, we're going to be using uh, a masculine tone and I'll be speaking to the guys uh, today. But if you hear the word guy, what it means is everybody. It's all embracing because it's Scripture. But being Father's Day, we're going to embrace the day. But before we dive in, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a good God. We thank you that you are a loving loving God who gave everything for us. 
Lord, we pray that today as we open up Scripture that you would reveal to us and speak to us where we need it the most. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we, we dive into to a turning point in our series on the book of John. This is the, the hinge point where the story changes direction just a little bit from where it's been going through this story of John. But before we do that, just a quick summary Week one of the book of John, we learned about how each and every one of us is invited to follow Jesus. And we're invited to, in following him, to take on his yoke, though his understanding of scripture, his way of living. We are to, to not just watch him and follow behind him, but we are to become like Jesus in the way that we see others and in the way that we, we interact with our Heavenly Father. But more than that, we, then we see that take place when we look at John chapter 4, which we looked at last week, in the way that Jesus interacted with those around him, so much so that he, he prioritized people so deeply that he sees somebody not because of their flaws and their failings, but sees them as a child of God and treats them accordingly. And by doing so, teaches his disciples how to love others. Today, we pick up in the story of Lazarus. Now, the story of Lazarus is a, a, a well-known story. It was a guy that who died and Jesus brought back to life. And so today we are going to be talking about death and life. But before we dive in, we just want to pause because we have had some deaths in the life of our church. We've had some grandfathers uh, of the faith, but also of the church and in people's lives pass away. And so we want to just pause and say that we are thinking of you, those families that are grieving at this time. We also want to acknowledge on Father's Day, for those that have lost dads, today can be a tough day. And so we just want to pause for a moment and say we are thinking of you. Um, death hurts. Death is painful, especially uh, when we want them here on earth. We miss those conversations. But those that have died in faith, we know that they're actually not dead. dead. They're, they're more alive now than they've ever been uh, with their Heavenly Father. But we are still thinking um, we want them here. So we, we think... Uh, we. You are in our thoughts and prayers at this time. But each and every one of us has experienced death, some sort of death. It may not be the death of a loved one, but a death of something within our life. It could be that, that something you, you did just brought so much life to you. You were so excited about that thing, but now to even think about it just causes pain. Or that, that dream that you once had, that, that you know God placed, he seeded it in your life. You heard God's voice say, I want you to do this. But now the thought of doing that is, well, it's really hard. You, you couldn't even picture doing that. Or the thought of doing that thing actually brings pain to you. Maybe there's a relationship in your life that, that you know God made that connection to take place. But now that relationship is, is so painful that, that it is actually a dead relationship. Maybe you know that God gave you a job, but the idea of that job calls you pain. Each and every one of us has, has a dream, a job, a relationship, an idea, a passion, a trip, a, a hobby, or something that we know God was in, but now is dead. For whatever reason, the world has, has killed that. It's been snuffed out. And today I want to ask you the question, what's dead in your life? What is something that was once alive? Something that once you know God was in, you know God planted it, you know God was leading you in that direction, but now is dead. I want you to hang on to that through this message. I want you to hang on to that, not because it's painful, but I believe this message will speak into that situation. 
But before we dive into to John chapter 10, if you've got your Bibles, I'd encourage you to open, your, open them to John uh, chapter 11. We're going to start in John chapter 10 because this brings some context to what's taking place. See, in John chapter 10, Jesus has been so far leading up to it, doing incredible things. His yoke, his way of living out the scriptures, is not just done in, in words, not just spoken, but also acted out. And because he's aligned with God's original message, his original interpretation for strip, scripture, and because Jesus is God's son, what he does is, is incredible. The blind can see. People are valued. The, the truth is spoken with, with truth and grace. Incredible things that are taking place. And because of that, the other Jews with their yoke, their understanding of scripture, aren't very happy. They're not happy because they can't do what Jesus is doing. They're not seeing lives radically transform the way that Jesus is radically transforming lives as he introduces people to God the Father. And because of that, they're quite threatened and they actually want to take him out. And so what we see is, is again, the, the, the Jewish opponents in John chapter 10, verse 31, picked up stones to stone him. So here they are with stones in their hands. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. From which of these do you stone me? So what he's saying is, I see you're going to stone me. What are you going to stone me for? The, the guy that I it was blind, neck and see, you're going to stone me for that? You're going to stone me for the good works I've done over here? You're going to stone me for this thing? You're going to stone me for this miracle? You're going to stone me for this thing? Why are you, you stoning me? And the, the Jews at the time that they were against him were saying, well, we don't want to stone you for your actions. We want to stone you because you're, you're saying you're the, the son of God. You're blaspheming. And then Jesus quotes scripture once again and in doing so shuts them down. Now, it doesn't mean that they're defeated in their, their heart and their argument. They're, they're so stubborn that they just get so angry with Jesus because of the truth that he spoke to them time and time again to the point where they want to kill him. And so Jesus flees. In, other, in some of the other Gospels, this is the turning point where they say they wouldn't even ask him any more questions because every time they confronted him, they were publicly humiliated with just the love and grace and understanding of Scripture that he spoke back to them. And what we see in this, this passage is we see that Jesus races off then and finds a place where John the Baptist was baptizing in the early days. And he's there and he continues the mission of God. He continues sharing the good news with people there. But he's, he's, this is where the danger is. He's gone over here. He's continued the mission, but God has led him away from that place because this is where the people want to kill him. This is where the people aren't trying to kill him, but he's still doing ministry. He doesn't hide in a hole. He keeps doing what God has called him to do. It's really important that we get that this is danger and this is where he's at. And that's the entry point into John chapter 11. And we start with verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Martha, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same who poured, uh, this Mary, sorry, who poured the perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. This is the same Mary and Martha that we read where where Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet and Martha was busy getting distracted with the things of the world, the, the jobs that needed to be done around the house. It's the, the, these, this group, these two sisters and brother, are so close that they're, they're deeply connected. They're really, really good, close friends of Jesus Christ. And so the, the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one who you love is sick. And when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death, no. 
for it is for the glory of God, so that God, God's Son may be glorified through it. He is in communication with God, and he's had something revealed to him through the Spirit. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Now, that's a really weird sentence. When Jesus heard that his friend was really sick, he, go, he was like, oh, no, and stayed for two more days. Like, wouldn't you just go? Like, if you knew someone was sick, if you knew someone was hurt, don't you just drop everything and just go straight away? Uh, there's, I remember hearing a story. Uh, I heard of a friend who um, was having an absolute emergency. It was, was the worst and in that moment, I remember I got the phone call and the person on the other end of the phone couldn't even stumble through the words. They just said a couple of, cent, couple of words. I knew exactly what it meant. And I, I just chucked on. I think I was getting ready for bed. So I chucked on some tracksuit pants, jumped in the car and started driving. And I didn't even know where they were. They were in a hospital. I didn't even know which hospital they were in and were living in Sydney at the time. It's, you drop and run. So why would you stay two more days? We see Jesus was in total communication with God and God didn't want him to go straight away. God wanted him to continue what he was doing over here. And so Jesus stayed for two more days. Why? Because he loved God with all his heart, soul, mind and strength, God first. And then out of that, he loved people. But his love of God was greater than his, his obligation to, to care for his, his friends. He loved his friends. He wanted to go, but he had to listen and be obedient to God. Let us go back to Judea, verse 7. But Rabbi, his disciples said, they said, a short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you want to go back? This is safe. This is dangerous. Why would you go back there? He's sick, and you've stayed two more days. He's probably dead. He's probably gone. Stay here. This is safe. I want to say sometimes when God calls you somewhere, it's not easy. It's not safe. Sometimes when you have to go where God's calling you, it means there's going to be opposition. There's going to be fear. There's going to be persecution. God never says it's going to be easy. But what he says is he'll go with you. And in this moment, we see that Jesus is, is confronted with the fear, but he says this to his disciples. Jesus answered, verse 9, They are there not 12 hours of daylight. Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble. For they see by the world's light. It is written that a person walks, walks at night, they stumble, for they have no light. Jesus is saying there's 12 hours. There is still time. There is still time to do this. Why? Because the light is here. John 1 says that, that the light of the world is here and the darkness has not overcome it. The light is shone in the darkness and I need to shine some light. There is time to do this, to shine light into the darkness of death where we're going. There is time to do this. Jesus starts this journey to go to where Lazarus is and he gets to this place where, where he's almost entering the town and who meets him? It's not Mary who sat at Jesus' feet listening. It's Martha. The one who was distracted once is now looking for Jesus. Martha, the one that, that, that didn't have the right focus, is now doing the right thing. Martha has become under Jesus' yoke, has become more like Jesus, has listened to his teaching, as we're about to read, and goes out to find him and meets him on the road. And in this space, they start up a conversation and she goes, you're late, he's dead. And Jesus replies in verse 30, uh, 23, Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. 
And Martha's incredible understanding of what Jesus' teaching is replies this. She, Martha answers, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Her brother's dead, and we'll find out in a moment that he's dead and buried, but she still has hope that knowing that Jesus is teaching, that Jesus is who he is, but because of that, that her brother will rise again with the resurrection at the end of days. She still has hope. Even in death, through Jesus, there is hope. Even in death, when we understand who Jesus is, there's hope. Jesus, though, in that moment, while she's right, reveals even more of himself. Jesus says to her, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe that something that is dead in your life, that that dream, that relationship, that job, that that, that aspiration, that that trip, that hobby, that, that project that you think God was in at the very start, you think that that is dead? Do you believe that Jesus is alive? Do you believe that Jesus can resurrect that thing that was once something that brought you life but now brings pain? Do you believe that Jesus can do it? Do you believe Jesus is who he says he is? That, that in death there is hope for the future. There is hope that those that we love that pass away in this life, that, that, that we will see them again in heaven and spend eternity with our Lord and creation, Creator. Do you believe this? Jesus challenges Martha and he challenges, challenges us as well. Martha's reply is, yes, Lord. She replies, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Jesus then continues the journey towards where Lazarus is and, and he finds out that Lazarus isn't just dead. He's dead and buried in a tomb with a stone that's been placed in front of it. And in that space, in that tomb with that stone placed in front of it, we see that, that Jesus gets close to it and he sees the scene that he's there. He sees Mary and Martha that are upset and some other Lazarus's friends and some of the leaders and officials and people that he worked with and, and people that Jesus had journeyed with, people that Jesus cared for. And he, he sees this scene of the tomb and he sees death and he sees the effect of death on people and he is so overwhelmed with emotion that we see in verse 35 that Jesus wept. And the word for wept isn't like a, a deep, bawling, overtly crying, sobbing, weep, but it's just a, an overwhelming sense of emotion that tears start to run down his eyes. And in his eyes that, that, that are so full of emotion and love and sadness for the scene and, and for the friend that he has, the Jews that are there can see his eyes. And what they see in the eyes of Jesus is the love that he has and they respond and the Jews said, verse 36, see how he loved him. The love that is in Jesus' eyes for Lazarus and for those that loved him, love Lazarus, that, that are in that scene. But in the same space, but some of them, verse 37, could, could not, he said, could he not, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? They're still mocking him. 
They're still picking on him. They're still having shots at Jesus, even in the midst of his grief, even in the midst of that terrible scene. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Ah, Sorry, but Lord, I'll go back a bit. Verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb where the cave was and the stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. Take away the stone. I want to say to some of us that we've got these dreams and aspirations. Guys, there's, there's some of us that have, that have had a passion for something that we once had. There's, there's something that was alive in us that is, that is dead. And because it's dead, we don't want anything to do with it. And so what we've done is put up this block, this guard in front of it. We've rolled a stone in front of that part of our heart, that part of our life. We've, we've not just put that thing to death. We've dead and buried it and covered it. Why? Because death stinks. Death hurts. Death is painful. We see the very next, next verse. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour for he's been dead for four days. Death stinks. Death is yuck. And, and to stop the stink, sometimes we bury those dreams. We bury that relationship. We bury that passion we once had for the job and we just start going through the emotions and we're numb to it. We, we don't even think about it. We just grumble. We're negative because we've not just put something to death that was once alive, but we have put a barrier in front of it. And the first thing we need to do when it comes to, to bringing something back to life is to remove the barrier. Now that means there's going to be stench. There's going to be yuck. But Jesus says if Jesus wants to resurrect it, he's got to remove the barrier. And so the stone gets rolled away. Now, what does Jesus do next? He he doesn't look into death because it stinks and it's hard. He looks to the Father. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that you would believe that you would see the glory of God? So they took the stone away. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you are always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. This is a public declaration. A public declaration. He doesn't look at death, he looks at the Father. When he said these things, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! Other translations say, Lazarus, get up! And it's not, not a voice full of anger. It's not a voice full of judgment. It's not, not a voice full of, full of condemnation or anything, but it's a loud voice, a voice of authority, a voice of love. But it's loud. He calls out. Because sometimes for death to come to life, there's got to be a loud voice. If you're a guy and you're like me, sometimes we're watching TV and there is nothing else. Like the house can be on fire, the kids could be riding around on the dog, there could be stuff going on all over the place, and you're just watching the TV. And your wife will come in and say, hey, are you right to do that thing? And say, uh-huh, no idea. You're not listening at all. And you need someone to say, wake up. <laughs> oh, hey, the kids are riding the dog, there's a fire. Oh, what's going on? Yeah, and, and you need that voice to snap you out of that space where you're at. And the voice of Jesus can call out death. 
The voice of Jesus, if we, if we can roll away the stone and hear that in our heart of hearts, something that God is in because it's for God's glory, not ours. When God's in, he can call out things that are once dead, but he can call to life. And in that space, Jesus wants to call out the, that, that thing that's in us. He wants to say that that relationship that was once dead is not dead. If God is in it, he is calling it out of us. If that job that once brought us life and joy, that we're just going through the motions because it's for our family, if God is in it, he wants to call you out. Say, it's time to wake up. It's time to get up. It's time to be God in that workplace. It's time to glorify him. You need to come out. You need to get up. You need to wake up. He's calling that, that dream, that aspiration that you once had, but life just got too busy and you got these routines and now it's gone. He's saying, you've got to wake up. You've got to get up. You got to do something about that. And then you go, well, how do you know if God's in it or not? How do you know? The very next verse says this that the dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped in strips of linen and cloth was around his face. And Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. See, sometimes you can have something that's dead and it's dead. And when it's dead, it's, it's, it's treated as death. It's wrapped. You might have a relationship and something was done in that relationship that, is, that was damaging. And because of that, you've wrapped that relationship up and said it's over there. The first thing you need to do is when that relationship comes back, you need to unwrap the damage that was done and clothe it as if it was fresh and alive once again. You can't keep the death robes on a, a live person. You've got to take them off. You will know that it's God, though, if it stands by itself. People help Lazarus out. He can't see. There's, there's wrappings around his face, and it's not like they're, they're pretending this is true, and they've got his arms going, oh, hi, yeah, I'm Lazarus. Yeah, oh, yeah, hello. It's like, no, they've taken, they let him go, and if he stands, it's God. And I want to say, if there's a dream that you have that you know was God, but it's been put to death, that dream will come through if God is in it. That relationship will stand if God is in it. That job will bring fruit if God is in it. It will stand if God is in it. I want to ask, what is Jesus calling out in you? What is Jesus calling out in you? At the start of this message, I said, what's dead? Does Jesus want to call that out? It may not be. It, it may be that, that, that something is dead and it's dead for a reason. We die to self and maybe some of those things are meant to be. But if God is in it and you know God was behind it at the very start, Jesus, the first thing he did before he called out death was he looked up to heaven and said, this is for you, God, that you know who I am. Let these people see my actions and you working through me and in doing that, point people to you. Pray that prayer and then see if Jesus is calling something out in you. We're about to come to a, a time of communion now. And as we come to this time of communion, I want to flow on from this idea of what Jesus is calling out in us because there's times when we just go, nah, that's too big. That's, that's too much. 
I don't think God can do that. I don't think God can resurrect that. I don't think God can bring that to life. Or why would God even bother doing that for me? I want us to hear that this is the the power of Lazarus. The story of Lazarus in John is framed around this. That you see Jesus, when he was safe, went back towards persecution because he loved one person so much that God granted that, that he would be able to raise him from the dead. And that, heading back towards persecution, the second half of the chapter 11 in John talks about how they plot to kill Jesus. And what we see here is that, that Jesus goes towards, he starts his journey towards the cross at Lazarus. He starts his journey towards heading to the cross where he dies for you and me at Lazarus. And what's the first thing he does is he starts his journey towards the cross? He conquers death. Before he even starts that journey, he has the victory. Before he even, before he even starts going through the, the, the preparations and, and the conversations, he wins the battle. I want us to, to realize that, that the same eyes that, that Jesus had when he saw the scene of death and those were mocking him when he was about to, to bring Lazarus out of the tomb are the same eyes that he had on the cross when he hung there and he looked at those that had put him on the cross and he looked at him with loving eyes, filled with compassion and tears and he looked at him and said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they do. Jesus had a stone that was rolled in front of his grave that three days later when it was taken away. He rose and conquered death once and for all. It was Lazarus that brought him back to start that journey, but it was you and I that took him to the cross as he died in our place once and for all. Let's remember that love confronts fear, that that love conquered death. And the love that that was given all for us, we have access to today. It is a love that is greater than anything that we can understand. The love of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of our Heavenly Father. And that's worth celebrating on Father's Day. So today, as we get the emblems ready to take in your own time, the, the wafer that represents Jesus' body that was broken for us and the juice that represents his life, his blood that was given for us. I pray that we were doing it, knowing that he has conquered death once and for all. He has conquered the death that we have experienced in our lives and he has conquered death so we can spend an eternity with our Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus, you died for us that you went to the cross because you were so driven by love, that you wanted to restore us back to an eternity so that we would not die, but we would live and live forever with our Creator. Lord, we pray today as we, we come to the cross once again, that we would remember that you are not dead, that you conquered death, that you are alive, that there is an empty tomb that represents the life that we find in you. Lord, this Father's Day, may we look to our Heavenly Father with gratitude because of what took place on the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.